Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a special quick take episode of the pod for for about 20 or 25 minutes. We feature an RSP member who will speak at Retail Now 2022. If you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference and networking event scheduled for July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now will feature six education tracks, more than 20 education sessions, and dozens of expert presenters, including today's guest. Brian Booth is the founder and CEO of Enrollin pay a loyalty as a service platform for the credit card processing industry enroll and pay technology is designed to turn a consumer's credit card into a loyalty card prior to launching enroll and pay in 2014 brian was the founder and ceo of bucksback.com from 2008 to 2014. brian is an active member of the rsp niche and startup isv community and at retail now he's going to present a breakout session titled innovating for the payment space and isv's perspective brian welcome to the podcast Thanks, Jim. It's good to be here. Yeah, so Brian, you're uh, coming to us from your office in San Diego today, is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, in a little town, a little beach town called Solana Beach. Beautiful, wonderful. Now, as everybody knows in the San Diego area, the weather's always perfect. They have no pollen, no allergies, but I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania, and I've been getting hit the last few days uh, with allergies. So if anybody notices me hitting the mute button or um, I'm not even sure what else is, is going to happen related to it, but uh, we will press on and, and do our best uh, with that. So, uh, Brian, great to have you here. Can you start by telling our listeners and our viewers about Enroll and Pay and your concept of loyalty as a service? And I know you're eager to talk about this because when I bumped into you in Vegas at the uh, ETA Transact show, you had a shirt that said LAS on it, L-A-A-S for loyalty as a service. So uh, tell our audience about that, please. Yeah, thanks. You know, that, that last is something we've kind of came up with in the last couple of years. Um, and it sort of relates to the pivot that we had from, you know, Bucks back to Enroll and Pay. Um, so, you know, I've been a real big fan of card linking. I think that card linking is sort of the best way to, to manage customer engagement for merchants, right? And uh, so the original company, Bucks Back, was more of a marketing company. We we would um, get customers to you know register their credit card information online, not in relation to a purchase, but just you know they would put in their first name, last name, their card digits, their email address, and then they could go spend with a participating merchant. Well, when we pivoted to Enroll and Pay, um, I filed a patent in 2014, which we actually just got last year, believe it or not, it was a long time. Uh, but essentially what ended up happening is we figured, why don't we figure out a way to capture the customer's first and last name and their credit card information in a more secure environment, as in like on a payment terminal during a live transaction. So then as we started realizing that as we started embarking on this product and delivering the service, we realized that really we are delivering loyalty as a service, much like software is delivered to a computer or a terminal via the internet that's really what we're doing yeah we have an application on the payment terminals but really from the cloud our software is being delivered via the internet you know to manage the rules engine and all that kind of stuff for the loyalty program so that's where we came up with loyalty as a service and uh, in fact we just trademarked it so you know those are all all things that go along with that last shirt that i was wearing Got it. Fabulous. And I can say my uh, wife used to work for the U.S. Patent Office. So 
an eight year process uh, for getting a patent. I'm, I'm kind of not surprised uh, at that because uh, it is a lot that you have to go through, right? A lot of times people think, is this a good idea? Yes or no? There's way more research that they end up doing. So kudos, congrats to you for going through that thorough process. Yeah, thanks. And uh, so talk about how big is the enroll and pay team and like, are they all throughout North America? Are they around the world? Yeah, good question. Um, we're, we're just about to 10, so we're still pretty small. Uh, we have some job applications out there. Uh, we're hiring, you know, three or four, four more spots. Um, we have some um, some guys overseas that are doing some work, contract work on occasion, but mostly everybody is here in the U.S. And uh, three of us are here at the corporate office. Everyone else is kind of remote. Um, we have a business developer who's out on the East Coast, actually in Nova Scotia. So between him and, and me, we've got all the time zones covered and everything in between with our team. Yeah, fabulous. And so, and part of the reason I asked that question, I knew that you weren't a giant uh, corporation because, you know, most of the RSP members, most of the folks attending retail now are SMBs. And there's, I, I remember going to a trade show when I was in the publishing industry and they had those like popular mechanics up on stage talking about things that they do from a marketing standpoint. I'm thinking we can't afford to buy a car, right? And drive it around the country or things like that. So everything's yeah. Brian's, Brian's going to tell you has been done in, a, in an SMB environment. So, well, let's talk about, you know, some aspects of, of what you're going to present at retail now. And so the first word in the title of your breakout is innovation. So I want to hear first your perspective on what you see as the importance of leaders really establishing a culture of innovation inside their organization, no matter what size. And then what steps you think your fellow ISVs and resellers really need to take to build and maintain a culture of innovation? Yeah, um, great question. I mean, of course, I love innovation. I, I consider myself an innovator. Um, uh, but I think that uh, innovation is so important to you know any industry really. But I think especially the payments industry has been doing things a certain way for such a long time. I mean, there has been some you know obvious obvious improvements. You know, add the 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 um, you know EMV chip for example in the last couple of years and devices are now moving to the Android platforms and things like that. You know, so innovation is definitely present in the space, but I think uh, big, large companies have a hard time innovating. You know, um, they, they were just taking their business down the road. They have a business model that they got to stick with. And it's easier if a company can come along and figure out a better way to do something. And, and, they're, and especially if they're passionate about it, be able to put something together. And so we weren't necessarily, we didn't start out thinking that we were going to innovate for the payment space. But what ended up happening is, is we sort of along the way figured out that our solution was so great and that the payment space really needed it. And so then we really started thinking, okay, if someday, how are we going to exit this, this company? You know, we envision ourselves being purchased by, you know, a company in the payment space typically. And so we started really, you know, creating and designing things for that ultimate exit <clears throat> into the space, into the space, whenever that is a couple of years from now or five years or who knows, but um, yeah. So that's kind of like the, the idea. We try to keep an innovative spirit around the office and on the team calls. So um, we're trying to do our best to kind of cultivate, you know, um, innovation, you know, on, on a regular basis here at the, you know, at the office. Great. And so this will give me a good opportunity to name drop. Uh, one is one of the uh, your fellow speakers at Retail Now for a breakout, Tom Bronson, who's an RSP member from Mastery Partners. He always talks about begin with the exit in mind. And it sounds like that that's what you did. And then also uh, Chip Heath. There's Chip and Dan Heath. You know, they're famous uh, uh, authors. 
And so um, Chip was speaking at an, uh, an RSPA Inspire uh, event, and I got to interview him before then. I asked him, besides your own books, what's a book you recommend? And he recommended, it's called Getting to Plan B. And it said, you start with plan A, but if you pay attention along the way and make the appropriate adjustments, plan B is actually better than plan A because you're actually learning from your experience. Is that kind of the key to innovation, that it's not just you have some whiz-bang idea or you have some innovation meeting, but you're always constantly paying attention and testing and figuring out? Because that's kind of what you said, like, well, we didn't plan on doing this for the, you know, the payments industry and having this exact thing, but you adapted along the way based on the, the data that you gathered. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, we we try to pivot all the time, you know, um, and and just the thing about innovators is interesting. You know, innovators like to share their ideas passionately all the time, and they open themselves up to feedback, criticism, things like that. You have to be vulnerable, right, to be to be an innovator. And so though all of those things, while you're out there sharing your ideas and talking to people, you're getting feedback that helps shape and direct what you do, you know, and sometimes you know, you, you want to take a shotgun approach and you can say, well, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And a lot of feedback we got was, hey, let's let's narrow that. Let's stick to one channel if you can, you know. And um, so that's just all of that stuff has helped us for, you know, sort of forge our direction into the into the space that we're in now. Yeah, I like you have that. You said pivot all the time, and then you've got to be vulnerable. You can't just say my idea is absolutely perfect. All you people who are giving me feedback, you're just wrong. You don't know what you're doing. You gotta gotta have that humility. So, all right. So that's the innovation part of the description for your session. You're you're uh, the more detailed. You know, underneath the title, it says you're going to talk about cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, patents, trademarking cloud-based services. So like I said, my wife would be more interested in the patent aspect, but for yeah. me, I'm more, more curious about how you're using AI and what other applications you see for AI that could apply to our space and to the folks uh, listening and watching. Yeah, I really love the AI part of it actually, because um, really my background was I used to call on local merchants, right? And they used to sell them advertising way back in the day. And that's kind of how I came up with the idea of even bucks back, which is now enrollment pay is how can I help local merchants leverage technology to grow their business? And that really became kind of my passion, my, my statement for myself. So what we wanted to do was be able to connect consumers with merchants, right? And uh, before that was coupons, then it was like pay-per-click online and, and whatnot. But really what we're doing with AI is because our solution now is integrated with the payment terminal, we get line item detail you know, on a lot of the transactions. And what's nice about that is we can actually help the merchant connect with their consumers um, with offers. So for us, our AI is, you know, a customer comes in, they buy certain products, or they might buy with certain frequencies, if not. And then what, what, what we can do is take that information and put it into an engine that creates an offer that goes out to the consumer that might bring the consumer back. So we're not necessarily creating products at Enrollment Pay, but what we're doing is we're trying to manufacture transactions between consumers and merchants. And so we can we get all kinds of data. So it's whether it's cross-marketing on products, whether it's cross-marketing on different styles of businesses within a region or like a neighborhood or a block, you know, uh, those are the kinds of things that we get um, excited about with AI. And then um, just the, you know, because merchants can go in and create offers within our platform, but um, they're busy, right? The SMBs of the world, they got all kinds of things going on. And so uh, I like the idea of, of having a software be able to put something together and be able to email the merchant and say, 
hey, we think this is going to generate these kinds of sales for you. Why don't you go ahead? And all I have to do is click publish in an email, and then it goes out from there. Got it. So it's almost like suggestive selling. The software generates suggestive selling to the merchant to say, would you like to send this out? Am I understanding that correctly? Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And it seems it's like you can't. Great. I mean, and then we can yeah. even get predictive, right? We can almost tell them if you send this software out, it's going to generate this much revenue in the next 72 hours. Interesting. All right. Yeah, because I'm guessing, like you said, with these SMBs, they have all the intentions to do everything related to marketing and with all these tools, but they just can't get around to doing it because marketing ends up being, you know, ninth on the list and then items one through six, um, you know, take up all their time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because I know I know the small merchant. I used to deliver them invoices for their advertising and they'd say, hey, hold on to this check till Monday so I can get this weekend's business to pay for it. Right. I mean, so not that every business is like that nowadays, but I understand that's the challenge, right? And if I can do something that helps drive revenue for them without them really having to focus on that, then that, that gets us pretty excited. So speaking of advertising, I have a commercial to read, but before that, I have to ask, like, who were you selling advertising for? Uh, there's a little, a little paper out here uh, in San Diego called the Penny Saver. They're part of the Hart Hanks organization. Yeah. yeah. And then I worked for the Money Mailer for a little bit, too. Uh, because I, I just I just love helping, you know, small merchants grow their business. It's a passion of mine. Fabulous. All right. I didn't know if you remember going back. I'm, I don't you and I might be around the same age. Grit magazine where they could have little kids selling it door to door. But the penny saver. Yeah, I've, I've bumped into that before. So. All right. Yeah. All good ideas start somewhere. Right. All these online things start offline for sure. That's true. All right, well, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast video series and retail now possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are Brother, Cocard, Heartland, ScantSource, and Shift4. And again, we said at the outset, retail now, you want to make sure you register. Registration is open. This year's event will be July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail now is where the industry meets, and you can find all this information on the RSP website at gorspa.org. All right, so back to your presentation uh, that you're going to have at Retail Now. So the description says uh, of the breakout says you'll discuss strategies to win in partnerships and secure adoption with VARs. So I'm hoping we can take maybe the inverse of that because I don't want to spoil, you know, spoil what you're going to talk about at the event. Take the inverse of that and talk about what are some of the common and, and maybe painful mistakes ISV should avoid when they're trying to partner with VARs. What do you see some ISVs do wrong or maybe what have you done wrong before? Um, yeah, that's great. I think going back to um, some some feedback we got, you know, along the way is we, we took a shotgun approach and I, I would say that that's, that's a bad, that's a bad approach to try to stay away from that. We had to, we had to be more surgical, a little bit more focused um, on what we could do with the technology specifically. And then also we kind of had to know really what our strength was, right? And be able to communicate that. Sometimes um, we've got great ideas, but if we can't really clearly communicate how we can do what we can do uh, and why we do it, um, then then that doesn't really matter unless we get it clear to that. And then also selecting the right audience, right? So a lot of it was just, we had to go to the shows for us to meet the people, because we're not from the payment space, right? We're sort of outsiders from the payment space. So we had to kind of get in and meet the people who were making things happen and the organizations that were making things happen and talking to the right people. All that stuff kind of matters. And obviously not giving up 
I mean, that's a big that's a big piece. A lot of times, whether it's just on a, on a certain path or a certain product, uh, people might might give up along the way if you're if you're trying to enter the space, you know, and have somebody resell your product. And obviously, too, um, certain certain resellers are better fits for you than others, right? And so it's a, it's important to identify with the organization that can really resell your product. Um, and so whether it's somebody who can sell value versus somebody who's selling rate card, we had to sort of we might look at one company and say, wow, they got a lot of uh, a lot of rooftops, a lot of mids. We really want to go after them. But if their sales organization only knows how to sell rate card, we're not going to get a lot of results there. Yeah. So it was really spending some time and trying to identify the right reseller if you will and then and then also shaping our product and then i think the last thing is um is uh you know it takes a while to communicate what you can do and no one knows better what you do than you yourself and so it might take some time you know to to get that message across but i think it, it's worth it when you stick to it and does it, so thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. And that's one thing, a trend that we're seeing instead of I have a hundred VARs or I have a hundred fifty resellers, it matters more importantly if they're the right fit and if if they're active for you. I, I do want to drill down a little bit where you said, you know, knowing what your strength is. Can you talk about that? And I guess that ties in with your last point of when you know what your strength is, it makes the communication process a lot tighter, right? You don't have to tell everything that you do. You're just uh, harping on that or you're emphasizing those things. Um can you talk about how did you figure out what your strength was? If you can get into some more detail about that and what is your strength? How would you communicate that today? Yeah, I mean, our our, our strength is um, converting customers into POS, you know, and uh, it didn't, with Bucks back, it didn't start off that way. We got pretty good conversion. And so I think really our, our whole thing is we convert, you know, anywhere between 40 and 70% of customers at the point of sale. So for every 10 customers, four to seven are gonna opt in to the loyalty program with that merchant. Okay, that's that's just unbelievable for us. That's a big differentiator. Um, and, and then also for the merchant, right? Because they're getting that they're getting that response and that conversion so fast. So I think that's like kind of our our best skill. And then and then of course, you know, lo loyalty members are always gonna spend more than non-loyalty members, right? In the industry, whether they're using QR codes or presenting cards or phone numbers or using enrollment pay, right? The industry itself, a loyalty member spends more than a non-loyalty member. But if the conversion is better, then you're gonna get faster results and easier results and there's less friction. So those are really our strengths. We were able to convert and make the process easier for both the consumer, but also the merchant. You know, uh, the merchant, I feel sorry sometimes you go into like a cafe or a restaurant or something and the cashier behind the counter asks every person in line, are you a member? Are you a member? What's your phone number? That whole exchange, you know, I just feel bad for, you know, that's our secret goal is to remove that from the world. You know, five years from now, if you can go to a restaurant and they don't have to ask you if you're a member anymore, then yep. we've done our job, you know. Okay. It's all handled <laughs> in the payment. Is that how we should understand it? Yeah, so the card is the loyalty ID, right? So we turn the, the credit card into the loyalty ID. So now that you can say, are you a member? And I say, yes. Okay, great, what do you want to order? Right, because the card is gonna take care of everything, you know? Right. And so yeah, so that's what we do. 
Interesting. All right. Yeah. Friction, uh, making less friction uh, in the exchange. So, all right. So my last question for you, Brian, uh, is it doesn't tie in specifically with your presentation, but, you know, it's about attending events. And so about half the show floor retail now, uh, those who have booths are going to be the software developers, the ISVs, including mm -hmm. your company. And I believe it's booth 333. That's easy to it remember. Uh, yeah. What's a tip that you can share with other ISVs who exhibit at shows? Cause you've been doing uh, a lot of that lately. Like what's a strategy or tactic that's really worked well for you? Um, well, I believe in cooperation, so I'll be happy to share a couple of tips, right? So okay. uh, we, um, I think we do the homework early, right? Um, we identify who's gonna be there and we identify who we wanna talk with, you know, for whatever reason we wanna talk to them. And then, um, uh, literally, uh, your your uh, co-workers, Ashley and Peggy, and member services have been amazing over the years. They they have given us the opportunity to re-talk to them and get some warm intros with other members that we're trying to re reach with. And um, and luckily, we're just really good at setting up meetings, you know. And so we set up, you know, 12 to 15 meetings before we get to the show. And uh, of course, we know natural things are going to happen. People are going to come by your booth. We're going to walk by other people's booths. And sometimes, you know, great things happen from that. But I think just going in and having 12 to 15 meetings booked generates a level of excitement and anticipation. And that brings us confidence, you know. And so we're just better at selling what we're trying to sell when we're in that place. Got it. I, so I'm thrilled that you say that. Well, I get a couple of things. First, I just wrote uh, an article for the upcoming issue of RSP's Connect magazine about how important serendipity is. And, you know, when you go to an event, you bump into people you didn't know that you would. And we missed a lot of that, you know, during the pandemic when we were, you know, uh, chained, chained to our desks. But you shouldn't rely 100 percent on serendipity. Right. You, like you said, make those appointments, even if 100 of them don't stick, some percentage of them will. And that's really going to make sure that you have have a good event. When you go to an event, it should not necessarily be the first time you see everybody there. The more connections you can make in advance is really going to help you out uh, at that event. And those are the folks who have the good events are the ones who do the work early. It kind of sounds like is, is has been your experience. Yeah, especially if you're an ISV, right? I mean, like, you know, the big companies that were the big bars that we're trying to reach out to, whether they're the big processors, I mean, I'm sure they're doing a lot of legwork ahead of time as well, right? That's how we're fitting on their calendar, you know? And so I think if, if you're doing a lot of legwork early, uh, it makes a big difference. Yeah. And then, and then it's repetitive, right? You know, we, we try to go to as many shows as we can to get in front of those same people all the time, because you know, there might be five, six, seven shows a year where you can get FaceTime with everybody, but then there's weeks and months in between where, you know, it's emails and phone numbers and presentations back and forth, whatever. So I think you got to make the most of the FaceTime uh, because uh, I think that's where relationships are really built. Fantastic. Yeah. So if folks are listening. Brian's doing the opposite of you just show up and then sit behind a chair in your booth, staring at your phone, right? And then say, this show wasn't good for me, right? You've got to go out and you've got to make something happen. You really got to stir the pot for sure. Mm -hmm. I had a guy, a mentor, uh, and he said, you know, success is not going to come and attack you. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, ever since then, I realized, okay, it's the other way around, right? So I'm not, you know, no, I don't think anybody at the, at the conference is waiting for success to attack them, but just in case, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. That's a great quote to end on. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy, the more stars, the better. And be sure to register for Retail Now 2022. Again, that's July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando, featuring a diverse high-tech expo hall, plenty of networking opportunities, and several great education sessions, including Innovating for the Payment Space, an ISV's perspective. For all the details, visit the show website at gorspay.org forward slash retail now. Before we go, big thanks again to Brian Booth for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Director of Marketing and Strategic Partnerships, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail IT ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.